0: Welcome to the Multiply Your Success podcast, where each week we help growth-minded entrepreneurs and franchise leaders take the next step in their expansion journey. I'm your host, Tom Dufour, CEO of Big Sky Franchise Team. And as we open today, I'm wondering if you have ever thought about creating an exit plan for your employees, essentially setting them up to leave before they even start working at your company. And if you have thought about that, Do you have a plan or a clear plan in place? Well, our guest today is Nelson Davis, and he is equipping and inspiring his team of professionals to make an exit from his company before they even step foot in the door. And despite the challenging world that we live in of recruiting and retaining employees today, Nelson takes the approach of being proactive on having a plan for his team to have a clear growth, development, and exit plan from his organization. Nelson is the founder and leading partner of Analytic Vision, which is a data and analytics consulting firm designed to equip and inspire the next generation of data and technology leaders. He's a believer in selfless people, servant leadership, and high trust culture. You're going to love this interview with Nelson, so let's go ahead and jump right into it.
1: Hey Tom, great to see you this afternoon. Uh, My name is Nelson Davis. I am the founder of an organization called Analytic Vision. This organization exists to equip and inspire the next generation of data and technology leaders. Uh, we are very much a data analytic consulting firm, but we are also very much a leadership academy. Uh, we have a huge vision around bringing in great technologists and um, helping them to grow not only in their skill set but also grow as human beings through things like leadership and business education. Um, and then ultimately, we actually have the vision of launching our people back out into the marketplace to be. Uh, The leaders for the next generation, you know, my kids need great leaders, uh, and that's a huge motivation. Uh, So we're big on this idea of legacy. We're big on this idea of next generation. Uh, We want to create a very sustainable marketplace in the long term. And so uh, we didn't see enough people trying to do that. And so we wanted to uh, make that a core focus of what we do as an organization. So great.
0: Well, I'd love to unpack two big topics you talked about here. The first is the idea of data analytics. And uh, this is becoming increasingly just a buzzword in just most business circles, communities, any kind of event you're going to, they're talking about data analytics or something in that regard. So I'd just love for you to start by talking about what data analytics is and how businesses are using it.
1: Absolutely, yeah. So, data analytics uh, is not necessarily a new concept. There's, you know, tons around the idea of statistics and uh, data being, you know, present in business for many, many years. You know, we've had databases for a long time. You you began to see some of this uh, kind of analytical pieces get unlocked when visualization really came about. You know, once you have about a hundred rows worth of data, you really need to begin to visualize them in order to be able to make much sense of what's going on here. And then you get into these ideas around kind of, you know, analytic maturity and, you know, the baseline that uh, I think most organizations want to be able to say, you know, at minimum we can do this is we can go in and, you know, kind of look descriptively and read the newspaper, see what happened yesterday, see what happened a week ago, see what happened last year. And then these things should then inform us on, hey, what should we expect? Where might we have an opportunity to improve uh, and so forth? And then as you think about like growing in analytic maturity, you then start to think about, um, you know, getting into things like predictive and prescriptive. You know, hey, if I can, if I know what happened previously, I might be able to predict the future because I've seen these variables in the past. And if I've seen these variables in the past, I can begin to predict what happened. I might be able to prescribe, hey, when we see these things, these are the actions that we should take in order to create better outcomes. And then kind of the shangri law of, you know, analytic maturity is you get to this almost cognitive or autonomous uh, way of looking at data. The best example that I can give you is, you know, if uh, you're an airline company and you you fly, you know, all sorts of different combinations of routes throughout your network, you'll have pricing analysts who will do, you know, the top 20 percent of the routes that create 80 percent of your revenue. But for the other 80 percent of your routes that create 20 percent of your revenue, that's all going to be some algorithm, some computer kind of deciding those prices and so forth because you don't have the time to do those things. Um, that's really kind of one of the best uh, opportunities for that kind of highest level of uh, Analytics, but the other thing I would say too is, you know, for a long time we've been in this space talking about data-driven insights and uh, you know, data-driven decision making, uh, and the language has changed a little bit even in the last probably twelve to eighteen to twenty-four months around that becoming more of data-informed decision making. And so it's it's a nod to the fact that you know, data for the sake of data, if it's not uh, intersected with a strategy or analysis or whatever, is really kind of out of context, and so. Ultimately, the goal should be when it comes to data and analysis, we need to be thinking about what is the data saying and then intersecting that with, okay, and what is our strategy? Where are we going? Why are we going there? Who's driving that? Who's making those decisions? And letting the data inform, but not necessarily dictate those decisions. Uh, Us humans still have a very large role to play in all of this. And so um, it's it's an exciting time to be in this space, Uh, you know. I think it was five, six years ago, being a data scientist was like the sexiest job uh, uh, in the world or something like that. Uh, and so we do a lot of that type of stuff. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're trying to help make better decisions um, through the tools they have and the data that they're already recording. And so we want to learn uh, and make things better uh, if we possibly can.
0: Got it. Well, that that's a great explanation. And as I'm hearing you talk about it, just maybe it's top of mind with uh fantasy football coming around, but I think of maybe a data driven is the, uh, the guy or gal in your, in your fantasy league that just sets it to auto draft and it just picks the top player in that position based on some uh, data ranking. That's just kind of plugged in there versus you showing up for your draft and looking at that and saying, yes, but I also know these other variables that are going to be important to my team. Just, for a very micro e- example, there,
1: hundred percent, yeah, it, and it's you. Know, data without context uh, can be really, really misused. Uh, you know, uh, one of the things that uh, makes me cringe is when I see you know a statistic that is like one single number, and it's like you know you have no idea whether you know what what did that number look like last year. What is the prediction for go- it going forward? Like, what's the trend here? Uh, you know, you really need at minimum three data points in order to make a trend. And so, you know, any one single number, um, can be absolutely misused, uh, in line with data. And so, yeah, uh, a lot of people come to things like visualization analysis, uh, during fantasy football, you know, what is this player predicted to do this year? You know, when is their bye week How do I make sure that I can, uh, you know, not have too many people on this bye week and so forth. And that I'm, you know, I have my own strategy, uh, you know, I want to go quarterbacks earlier. I want to go, uh, tight ends earlier or something like that. Right. And. Uh, we actually just did our our first ever uh, analytic vision fantasy football draft uh, last week. So uh, your timing is well taken.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so great. Well, I would love to have been a fly on the wall with your company and all of you know your data analysts and your team and everybody going through it. That that would have been a hoot. Um, well, uh, well, Nelson, the other big topic you talked about, and it, it's one of the things uh, I've always been so impressed with you and your organization. Is when you come when it comes to recruiting and bringing new people into your company, and you have always, from the moment we first met, made it very clear that every person who comes to into your organization is generally come in with the idea that they're supposed to leave intentionally leave, and it, it seems atypical and unusual given the climate that we're all living in, and most. Business owners I talk to and business leaders today, their number one pain point is recruiting and retaining top talent. And here you are taking top talent and saying, okay, here's your pathway to exit out of here. So I'd love for you to talk through your philosophy and some of the things that you're doing that that are are unique and different that that I see the 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 fruit that's being bare or that that's happening from what you're doing here.
1: Yeah. So and if you're listening to this and you're thinking to yourself, that's a terrible idea. Uh, you know, I, in some ways I have to agree with you, uh, you know, there's a reality and we won't go into the whole long story of this, but, uh, there was a a very distinct moment where, uh, I was leaving the organization that I previously was working for as a consultant, uh, as a leader. And I knew I was going to go start this organization. and, And about two days before, uh, I left for the final time, uh, I was standing in downtown Atlanta. I was kind of looking out over the skyline and I just got this vision that said, Hey, you know, uh, I love what you're doing. You're going to go start this day now at a consulting firm and <clears throat> you have this heart for servant leadership. Um, but what, you know, the thing I couldn't square was I couldn't bring those two things together. And it really bothered me. It bothered me for months. And it's like, you know, do we just, you know, are we just great servant leaders and people love it here, but we never give people a chance to leave like, cause there's just not enough seats at the leadership table, um, you know, in a consulting firm. And, and I just didn't know what to do with this because, cause I had passion for both. And and in this moment, this vision kind of came to me that said, you know, look, love the consulting firm, love the servant leadership, but what if? What if the goal is not to bring people in and to hold onto them forever? What if the goal instead was to uh, bring people in for a time, equip and inspire them to be the next generation of data and technology leaders, and then ultimately launch them back out to the marketplace so that your kids would have leaders worth following? And, And my immediate kind of visual reaction to that kind of vision and idea. And I know this. the reason why I call it kind of a a vision was, it's not mine, because I I immediately said, that's a terrible idea. Uh, I've never seen any business that uh, intentionally brings people in only to send them back out. Um, And then, you know, I, I thought about it for about 30 seconds, and it hit me, I said, you know, if our goal uh, is to make an impact more than it is to make a profit. And, and trust me, we're a very much for-profit organization, but we we just always have always felt like if we can make an impact, the profit will just show itself up and to this point it always has. Um, and so if the goal was impact more than it was profit, then there is actually no better uh, business model than to bring people in, equip and inspire them and then launch them back out. Um, you know one of the amazing things is if if you're playing a super long game, and what I mean by that is like playing a game in the term of seven years and ten years and beyond that, um, if you bring those people in, equip and inspire them and give them a vision of what great leadership looks like, and then they become the leaders in you know organizations in the marketplace and start their own company and so forth. when they need, a consultant to come in and help and to help solve problems or to add extra horsepower. Who do you think they're going to call? You know, Ultimately they're going to call the people that they trust. They're going to call the organizations uh, that have invested in them. They're not going to call, you know, the big name consulting firms that you know, they're going to call us. And so ultimately if we can pull this off, this ultimately becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. It becomes one of the most sustainable business models in existence. And yet, Organizations don't think like this. Uh, you know, the other reality is, uh, if we're being honest, most people are going to leave. Um, they're going to leave anyway, and so why not go ahead and cast a vision for them and and invite them into a story where they're the main character and they're on a journey, and we're coming alongside them and saying we want to be a we want to be a great chapter in your story. We want to be a part of equipping and inspiring you because the marketplace needs great leaders because um, you know, business uh, needs uh, the next generation of leaders. You know, the other part of this too, for me is uh, I'm a big fan of Andy Staley. And Andy talks about, you know, you should do whatever it is that breaks your heart. And the thing that breaks my heart at the end of the day is bad leadership. You know, we, we spend 8, 10, 12 hours in our organizations. Um, and if we have micromanagers and, and people who don't know how to connect with us and lead empathetically, Uh, Then we come home and we kick the dog and we raise kids that are bullies. um, And we have this kind of vicious cycle. And the opposite is true, right? If we go to work and we find uh, opportunity to use our gifts and talents and we're lit up by the purpose and we're doing something that's a bigger, that's part of a bigger story, then all of a sudden, you know, we're living on purpose and we're engaged and we're excited about what we're doing. Um, And then we have this virtuous cycle where, you know, we're raising kids who believe these same things. We raise, uh, you know, we're part of families that are engaged in the community. That uh, we, we raise people who see themselves as investors in the next generation. And so, again, like, these are the opportunities that we have. Um, and part of it is framing, you know, at the end of the day, what we do, we do data analytic consulting, we build databases, we build dashboards, so forth. Like, that's not, particularly different how we do it yeah the, we've, we think we have some really interesting ways of doing discovery and we think we have some great ways of um, working with clients and you know sitting with them and uh, delivering with excellence and you know being on time on budget and you know over delivering with expectations but why we do what we do uh, we think is uniquely different in the marketplace that's our biggest differentiator and so we lead with that why um, because, you know, at the end of the day, there's plenty of consulting firms out there, and many of them can do some of what we do, but we live at that intersection of uh, organizational strategy and, and analytic insight. And that makes such a huge difference for our clients and for our people.
0: Yeah, the great <laughs> overview with that. And I- I'm wondering, as you shared this just brilliant vision. And I th- I think it's bold. Uh, and certainly uh, when you, I, I can only imagine when you decided you, the idea hits, you said, that sounds crazy. And then you said, wait a minute. And then you actually start implementing and said, what, what are we, what did we get ourselves into? But now it's working, right? Everything's working. It's going. And so I'd love for you to just share maybe a few of the things that you do, a little bit of the what or the how you've implemented some of this, just for someone who listens into this, say, well, how might I be able to do something like this at my company?
1: Yeah, It's a great question, you know, because it's one thing to say you know, this organization exists to equip and inspire and then like, OK, but how does that actually come off the wall and how do these values show up? So one of the biggest pieces, you know, we put our money where our mouth is uh, right off the bat, you know, and consulting time is money. And so um, our consultants uh, are, have the expectation of billing 36 hours each week to our clients when they're full time. Uh, in many consulting firms, you're talking well over 40, 44, 48, even 50 hours a week uh, of billable time. It's kind of you know what they want their people doing. The reality is that they're they're really grinding up those people and getting everything out of them that they can. And and they know they're going to be gone in two years. Um, and it'll be unhealthy. And they're not going to take care. Of, you know all these different things. And so we want to create something that's sustainable, you know, even though we are planning to launch our people back out into the marketplace, that's a journey of, of we think, about six to eight years. We are just over three years old, uh, and we've got you know just a handful of folks kind of on. We have a, a six-step process, and uh, we have a, a lot of folks that are kind of in step two uh, of that journey. And so you know, we're still, uh, as we love to say around here, building the airplane and flying it at the same time. Uh, and yet, so the 36 hours is a big piece of it. The other four hours, we take that and we uh, invest that back into our people. You know, we believe that uh, we pour into our people and our people will pour into our clients. And so um, that's where we do things like our leadership education. You know, we 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 love reading books. Uh, Tommy, you mentioned Seven Habits, you know, beginning with the end in mind. So that's book number one that everybody reads when they walk in the door. We have three other books, uh, The Servant by James Hunter. Um Everybody Matters uh, by Bob Chapman, and then The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. Those make up what we call our core leadership uh, experience. And then at the end of that, uh, we actually have all of our people write their personal mission statement, which is a, a big part of uh, Seven Habits. And so you know, you you kind of come through that, and about six to eight months into your journey, you kind of have a sense of like, okay, here's what leadership means here. Um, you know, maybe you know a lot of times these ideas resonate with people, but they never thought about them in these terms or in these words and so forth. And now it's like we've given language. Uh, and we also, you know, doing these same four books creates common language for all of our people. And, you know, we kind of, you know, we pull out, you know, Hey, you read this in this book, here's the value of our organization. Here's how that comes to life. Right. And so, uh, so that's a big piece of what we do uh, just to, again, kind of bring that off the wall and make it tangible is we take those four hours and we've it back, right. You know, the, the rest of the time, we're doing things like technology education, uh, business education, so think like almost kind of MBA type of stuff. Thinking strategically, empathetic listening. Um, we also do things like consulting toolkit. Um, so hey, if you've not you know been a consultant, or you know if you're trying to do the two hundred one or three hundred one of being a consultant, here's you know some of the learnings of being a trusted advisor over the course of time. Uh, we also do every month we do something called the State of the Vision, uh, and so it's you know, kind of a, a monthly rally, and we talk about you know some cool things that are happening, and then we you know, remind people and kind of share some cool stories of like how uh, this vision is kind of being captured, uh, in our people and, and people even beyond our organization. Um, and so, you know, sometimes we hear some cool stories about stuff like that. And so that investment, um, is a huge piece. And, you know, the one thing I would say, you know, I think there's many, uh, business owners out there who struggle with my generation. For those of you who can't see me, uh, you know, I'm, I'm right there on the cusp of being a millennial, uh, so I can talk about millennials cause I are one. Um, and you know, you know, those you know, millennials are seen as such a problem and, you know, they, they want all this purpose and, you know, they want all this, bean you know, bags beanbags and ping pong tables and free snacks, right? What we really want is we want something that we can believe in. We want, uh, something that we feel is genuine and authentic. Uh, and so, you know, a big part of creating this organization is that this is, uh, you know, uh, this is what I'm passionate about. And, uh, I love to kind of bring that passion, bring that vision, um, because you know, this is in my mind, what God's gifted me to, to is the way he's wired me. Um, you know I'm not good at details. Uh, you know, I've got a whole team that could tell you that, um, but what I am gifted at is I love to you know, cast vision and, and bring a little bit of inspiration and get people excited about what could be, um, you know, take on challenges, take on things that are hard, you know, remind people you don't grow from doing things that are comfortable. You tend to grow from doing things that are hard. Um, and so, that's certainly been true in my life. Um, this organization continues to prove that time and time again, but it's, it's been such an honor and a privilege to, to do this and to be a part of this. And, um, I'm so grateful for, you know, we've got, we've built an amazing team. Uh, that's the other piece of this is, um, you know, we've, we've built, uh, you know, just we're, we're sneaking up on 30 folks. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting when you're like, you have an idea and you're like, I wonder if this could work. Uh, and then all of a sudden you wake up and, you know, you're, you're nearly 30 people. Um, but a big part of that is, uh, you know, just finding great folks who, who are not only great technologists, but also have amazing character, uh, also are going to add to the culture that we have here, um, and bring their gifts and talents. So it's been, uh, it's been awesome.
0: Oh, yeah. <clears throat> thank, thank you for sharing some of that detail with us, Nelson. And, you know, now's a great time for us to make a transition in the show where we ask every guest before they go the same four questions. And the first one we ask is have you had a miss or two along the way, along your journey and, and some can learn from it.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, I, any entrepreneur that gets on here and says, you know, they have no misses, uh, is just bold lying you know, uh, Two that. I would share, um, you know, one is a huge one in my life. Uh, if I look back in my very early thirties, uh, you know, I had a young family. Uh, my wife was uh, still working at the time. Uh, and I was very much wrapped up in my own success. And you know, I wrongly believed that uh, you know I was what I did. Uh, that you know if if I got the award or if I got the achievement or you know if I proved that I was better than everybody else, then then somehow that was gonna be the thing that finally fulfilled me. And the reality is, you know, I climbed up pretty high on that ladder uh, early on in my career. Um, I actually received an award at one point that um, in my very small circle of people that care about this award was a big deal. And, you know, it had me being kind of one of the top 20 people at at what I did in the world. Um, And, you know, I, I got there and as many people will tell you who kind of get to the top of that ladder, I felt empty inside uh, and I felt very broken. Uh, And I just began to realize like, you know, this is, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And I had a great friend come alongside me at the exact same time. And just, he would sit with me and ask me this question that bothered the absolute stuff out of me. He just kind of said to yeah, you, who are you? And I would be like, I'm a consultant. I'm a father. I'm a husband, you know, all this type of stuff. He's like, no, that's, that's what you do. That's not who you are. Uh, and just, he, he, and I was like, what do you want me to say? Like, give me the answer. I don't know what you want me to say is like, I can't answer this question for you. And we, I think we did it three times and finally sitting on his back porch, um, you know, just in tears one night, you know, I finally realized like he, I think he asked me, he said, you know, when you were born and you had done nothing in this world, I think out of frustration, he was like, you know, who are you? And I realized that, you know, when I was born, I was a gift to my parents. Uh, they had struggled with infertility for a long time. And, uh, I was, you know, their one and only child and uh i just kind of realized i recognized you know when i was born i was a gift and he kind of said you live every day for the rest of your life knowing that that's true because you know the point being you you are who you are from the moment you existed you know you you are wired and fearfully and wonderfully made and you know this idea that you have to prove something to someone uh, in order to be enough uh was just this lie that i was living for so long and you know, I had a lot of PTSD to like kind of come out under the layers of that. Um, and ultimately I, I I kind of realized, well, you know, I've lived my first 30 plus years believing this. So now what? Uh, and, you know, after about six, 10, you know, six, 12 months or something like that, I kind of got to this place of realizing if it's not about me, it must be about other people. And if it's not about my success, it must be about theirs. And I began to, Uh, try to figure out how I could invest in other people and watch them get lit up and watch their passion come alive and use the gifts and talents that I had been given to bring their gifts and talents to light and to light them up. And um, that has absolutely been the game changer for me. And and it's really how I've lived the rest of my life since uh, that season. Uh, It was a dark, uh, very, very, very challenging season. And uh, while I never want to go through it again, uh, I wouldn't give it up for anything. So definitely a, a huge miss, but also a lot of redemption in that as well. Um, and then one quick one from just recently. Um, you know, we did our, our most recent quarterly plan and we announced kind of a you know our profit share 2.0 uh, because we want our when we as an organization succeed, we want our people to succeed. And so we try to create win-win outcomes around sharing uh, quarterly profit. And so we had come up with this idea where, you know, hey, as you get promoted and as you go on this journey, we want to create some reward for you. And I had this idea of, hey, you know, we're going to take two thirds of the profit or two thirds of the, the bonus that you earn in a quarter. We'll give that to you and then we're going to hold one third back. Um, and then when you make it to the next stage of the journey, then we'll give you that. you know, well-intentioned of, you know, hey, you know, I want to create some incentive for you to get to the next level and we want to create some congratulations for you. But even as the words were coming out of my mouth to explain it to the team, I was like, "This doesn't feel very generous." Right? Like it's like you've earned this, you earned it in this quarter, and yet uh, we're going to hold on to it. Uh, and it was like, oh, "I don't like this." And so, uh, what I should have done was like pretty, pretty, pretty rapidly tell everybody, "Hey, you know, I said this yesterday, but uh, I don't like it. I'm going to change it." Uh, I waited uh, weeks uh, and began to get some feedback uh, from folks who are like, Hey, we really don't like this. And and I'm sitting there, I'm like, I don't like it. Right. Like, you know, it was, it was bad. Um, and so, uh, ultimately, uh, it was a huge lesson for me. We ended up changing it and making it so that, um, you know, when you get promoted in that, in the quarter you get promoted, you get the kind of next level up, uh, from the profit share perspective, but you know, whatever you earn in a quarter, you're, you're going to get that. And so it was just one of those moments of, you know, I felt tension and, you know, if I feel tension, I should just assume that everybody else feels tension. Uh, and then I was too slow to communicate. And so, um, you know, I, I went back and I said, guys, I I apologize. You know, I, I feel like I, uh, I feel like we had our, we were trying to do the right thing. We just didn't, we, it didn't show up the way we wanted it to show up. Uh, it didn't feel as generous as we wanted it to feel. Uh, and so we've changed it. We've done these things and it was like, oh, this is great. So, Um, yeah, those are two that are kind of top of mind for sure.
0: Just by way of moving to kind of the opposite, you shared some successes with us. Is there, uh, is there, uh, a a make or two that stands out that, that you can share as well?
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, when I think about this organization, there's very little of this that I, I can really claim. Um, you know, I'm big, as I mentioned earlier that like, this wasn't really my idea. Um, you know, and this may surprise a lot of people, but, uh, I, I was never that person with the lemonade stand. I was never, uh, the person who just wanted to be an entrepreneur. This was, uh, not, uh, something that I ever pursued I really felt called into this. And so, you know, the, if I was going to kind of claim any, uh, you know, big ownership or, or anything that, you know, I've done that has created success here. Um, it would simply be that I, I feel like I've done my best to you know follow and obey uh this idea, this call to to go start this organization. Um and then on a you know daily basis, uh, I feel like we create momentum uh as more and more people join, as more and more people catch the vision that we have of equipping and inspiring. Um and just you know, there's a lot of momentum that's happening. Uh and then one of the The coolest things that's happened recently is uh, I've really kind of said, you know, this thing is bigger than uh, my ability to uh, solve all the problems and do all the things and so forth. Like, I really need help. And uh, I've invited a lot of our consultants into like, hey, you know, this is your organization too. like help us make it better. Um, And it's been amazing to watch them take their extra time and invest it and give us great feedback. Um, And then we're trying to take that and to learn from it and to build something that's better. Uh, You know, we, at the end of the day, we want to be better uh, today than we were yesterday uh, in everything that we do. And so we want to scale. We want to make it sustainable. We want to make it a place that people love coming to, um, to be a part of. And so, um, you know, if the other thing I guess I would encourage folks with is, is invite your people into uh, the challenges invite, uh, you know, their innovation. Invite their problem solving, um, you know. And uh, when you do that, you you have to honor their input. Um, and you don't necessarily have to do everything they say, um, but you have to uh, engage them and kind of be like, "Hey, this was really helpful." we're not necessarily going to do that, that thing that you had the idea on, but that's prompted this other thing where that's, here's how that's going to come to life. Or you know, maybe it's just, you know, we might be able to do it, but it's not going to be in this season. Um, but to give them that uh, sense of ownership and so forth.
0: How about this idea of a multiplier? We, we talked before the show started about this idea of using a multiplier and to help you grow your business or yourself. Would you mind sharing that with us?
1: Yeah. I mean, one of the things, um, Again, any business owner will tell you is that uh, an organization is nothing more than a group of people, uh, and so having amazing people who understand what you're doing and why you're doing it uh, is key to is key to success in so many different ways. Um, our recruiting process is, uh, fairly long. It's a 10 step recruiting process for most of the organization or most of the roles we have in the organization. Uh, and you know, the first three or four steps are really focused on your kind of competency and your capability, uh, and the technical skills that we're asking you to, to engage in. Uh, and then, you know, the next two or three are really focused on your character. Um, you know, who are you, uh, why are you, what level of self-awareness do you have? Uh, and then the last uh, two pieces are all about kind of cultural addition. You know, are you going to be someone who adds to our culture? You know, we, uh, I've been challenged on this idea of cultural fit. Uh, you know, if, if we just kind of keep hiring cultural fits and cultural fits, cultural fits, uh, we become kind of, you know, we're looking for somebody that looks like this and, you know, so forth. And it's like, no, we want people who are going to add to our culture who make us better um, who, you know, this is the best way to, to add and bring people who have different perspectives as well. Um, and so you may not look like or sound like or talk like other people that are already here, but we think you're going to add to what we're doing here. Um, so I think that's, those are you know, people are huge. And then the last one, of course, is like, you know, we have vision in our name. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm a huge proponent of you got to pound the vision. Um, you know, you, you think, you know, we had that great talk on Monday. Uh, and everybody gets the vision and they're good for the next like three months, they're good until Wednesday, right? Like uh, you've got to pound it every day. You got to remind people, hey, this is, you know, you you see that thing over there or you see that example or you see that conversation, you, you know, look, this is why we do what we do. This is how the vision comes to life. This is how the values come off the wall. Like we made this decision because we value this thing, right? And so, you know, I'm constantly thinking about how do we get our values to show up more? How do we constantly get our vision to show up more? Um, how do we tie, you know, what we see in real life to that kind of ethereal vision that we kind of proclaimed? Um, and, you know, I think that's one of the biggest things, again, for leaders and, and entrepreneurs and business owners to do is, is you know, if you're not pounding the vision, nobody else is, right? Um, it's it's really, you know, I, I, yes, I'm kind of the CEO of this organization, but I also kind of think of myself as like the chief vision steward, if you will. Uh, you know, we're, we're here to to steward and to care for this vision. If we're successful, uh, we won't be the last ones, uh, who are responsible for this vision, right? You, know, uh, if we're ultimately successful, the organizations here in 20, 30, 40, 50, hundred years, um, you know, so that, uh, because there's probably not a season in the future when technology leaders won't need to be equipped and inspired. Uh, the marketplace is going to need these types of folks. So.
0: well, and. And the final question we ask every guest, Nelson, is: What does success mean to you?
1: Yeah, um, you know, as I've really thought about, you know, who am I? And and you know, somebody actually asked me the, the other day, like, you know, what are what are like a few words that you live by? Uh, and if I'm being honest, and you know, again, it, it, I am the founder of the organization. I think the words that I have ultimately come to live by as a human being are just equip and inspire. Um, you know, I'm in in my uh I do this as my day job, uh, but nights and weekends I am a uh pretty serious head baseball coach uh for I have four boys. Uh and so I've I've coached each one of my oldest two and now I've dropped down to my youngest two. Um and over the summer with my second one, we uh, went up to Mississippi and won the Dizzy Dean World Series and beat teams from four different states. And, um, you know, I, I had this gritty group of eight year olds and, you know, it's you, you kind of laugh like eight year old baseball, really. And like you would be absolutely shocked at ama- how amazing these kids are. Um, and they held, you know, as they went to the championship and won it, they held the other team scoreless for the last 18 out of the last 19 innings. And just gritty defense, all the work that we put in over like about a two year period just came to fruition. It was amazing to watch. And, you know, I, I finish, I start every game and finish every game with that team where I just ask them, you know, hey, what do champions do? And they yell finish. And it's, you know, for me, I'm teaching them and hardwiring this kind of idea into the brains of an eight year old that, hey, when things get hard, I'm a champion, I finish. I like and and you know, I've seen my k- own kids do this on their own. And they're like, hey, we got to clean up this room. And my oldest one will get the younger three together. And he's like, all right, what a champions do finish. Right. And it's it's this idea of, you know, I know so many people who when things get hard, they quit. Um, and I want my kids, I want my team, I want my uh, organization to be uh, people who when things get hard. Uh, They finish what they started because that's what they committed to do. And so that's a big part of that kind of, in order to do that, you must be equipped because if you don't know what you're doing, you can't do it in the first place. But there's also a component here of you have to be inspired because when it gets hard, ultimately you begin to think about why am I doing this in the first place? Because it's a lot easier in that moment to quit. And so you've got to have a why in, in that moment that says, this is worth doing. Uh, even though it's hard, you know, if it was easy, everybody would do it. The hard is what makes it great. It's one of my favorite lines from uh, "A League of Their Own." And so, uh, you know, when I think about what does success means to me, it's it's making an impact through equipping and inspiring this next generation uh, and the people around me. Uh, I, I believe that the marketplace needs uh, folks who are invested and who are going to, to lead well. And so it's a honor to have an opportunity to, to make even a small impact in that world.
0: Well, Nelson, as we bring this to a close, is there anything you are hoping to share or get across that you haven't had a chance to?
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the, the things that we love um, about where we are in this season of our organization, you know, we're three years in. Um, we have been very blessed. Uh, we have some financial stability. Um, you know, we're growing. We're doing great work. We've uh, made impacts with clients. These are all great things. What this has ultimately given us the opportunity to additionally pursue is to be uh, great investors in our community. And so we see uh, the community, and particularly uh, we're headquartered here in Atlanta. So we see the Atlanta community as, as a primary stakeholder. We believe that when Atlanta thrives, we will thrive. And when we thrive, Atlanta should thrive. And so we've got some amazing opportunities uh, coming up Uh, in November, we are entering into a partnership with the Boys and Girls Club of Metro Atlanta to go build a playground in Southeast Atlanta, uh, which is a huge opportunity for us. We are in the process of uh, actually doing some fundraising uh, for that. And so uh, Tom might send you uh, a link to put in the show notes uh, for anybody who makes it this far in the podcast and, and would like to donate. Um, so super excited for you bring bringing that uh, that playground to life for these kids um, who don't have something like that. And, and you know, again, I've got four boys and they love uh, just the feeling of freedom and running around on a playground and jumping and sliding and so forth. And like you know, playgrounds are destinations for six year olds and eight year olds. And so it's it's super cool, uh, such an opportunity and. Uh, We're also in the process of, um, you know, engaging and potentially partnering with uh, an organization in Atlanta that focuses on homelessness. Um, And, you know, as I thought about, you know, why homelessness, why us and so forth, there's a realization that homelessness is no one's business problem. Um, And yet, uh, one of the things that I recognize as we've engaged with this organization is that, you know, we exist to bring in great technologists, equip and inspire them to be the next generation then to launch them out into the marketplace. Uh, they exist to bring in homeless people uh, and my words, not theirs, equip and inspire them and then launch them out as contributing members of society who are connected socially. Uh, We have very similar visions. And so, you know, we have a completely different audience, a completely different clientele. And yet Uh, I think we have something unique that we can offer one another. And I think that's what great partnerships are built on and great synergy comes from. And so I'm I'm excited about not just the great work we're doing with our clients, which we are, um, but I'm excited about the doors that that opens for us to be um, contributing to the community and to be creating impacts, uh, hopefully, uh, that extend far beyond the things that we thought of when we started this thing in the first place.
0: Well, Nelson, this has been a phenomenal, phenomenal interview. How can someone get in touch with you, learn more about your company if they're interested in learning more?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You can always find me on LinkedIn. Uh, So Nelson Davis Viz, I think is, uh, I don't know, we'll put that in the show notes too, but um, definitely reach out there. The organization is called Analytic Vision, uh, Vision with a Z, -Z V-I-Z-I-O-N. It's kind of like data viz uh, for those who know, if you know, you know. Um, and so, you know, check out the, the, the website. Um, and then I'm on Twitter a little bit. Uh, but LinkedIn's really probably the best place to find me and to find us. And you know, we're out there. Uh, we've got great consultants who are also you know, on the cutting edge of data science, data engineering, data visualization. Uh, and they they've got passion for, you know, what we're building here. And so it's amazing to watch them go out into the social community and to be engaging. And so super grateful for all of those things.
0: Nelson, thank you so much for a great interview And let's go ahead and jump into today's three key takeaways. Number one, Nelson is in the data analytics business. And so the first little nugget, in my opinion, is how he described making data-informed decisions. And I thought that was a great to use data as part of the decision equation, uh, but not the primary. And if you remember, in episode 92 of our podcast, we interviewed Steve Robinson, who's the former executive vice president with Chick-fil-A, and he shared a similar philosophy where they're using data to gather information to help inform those decisions, Takeaway number two, and this really gets back to the staff and team and culture that Nelson is creating. And he said invite your employees into a story to be part of something great. To inspire them, to help them be motivated and part of your team. And I think whether you're you're inviting employees, whether you're inv- inviting franchisees, or maybe even great vendors or suppliers or contractors to come join your team, I think this lesson applies to all of it. So make sure there's a story that you're bringing them into. Takeaway number three is when Nelson talked about his core leadership experience, I thought this was a great little Takeaway, and that he described how at his organization, there are four books that every new person reads and that they use at his organization. And those four books are a business philosophy, a management philosophy, and really a leadership philosophy that he talked about. And it creates a common language and purpose for his team and staff to operate and work around. So I thought that was That was excellent, and maybe the takeaway for you, I know it is for me, I'm going to be doing this at our organization, is taking a look at those three or four books that really help expand upon the culture and type of business and organization we're trying to build here, and maybe that's something you can do at yours as well. And now it's time for today's win-win. So today's win-win is focused on equipping and inspiring the next generation, and he he shared a great lesson learned that he had in his early 30s when he wrongly believed that he was what he did, that his professional career identity was his identity. And I thought the takeaway out of that is Something he, he put into action, which is how can you help and equip and inspire your team not to fall into that trap of being solely identified by their career? How can and, and applying that knowledge there? And then number two, I I I thought that he shared when he described success to him about equipping and inspiring, that those are words that are important to him in his personal life as well. And he shared the great story about coaching his son's eight year old. Uh, baseball team and how they just won the Dizzy Dean Championship, which congratulations, by the way, that's a a huge accomplishment. But he asked his team a great question, a team of eight-year-olds. He said, what do champions do? And the answer is they finish.